Hello, Derek. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks. Thanks for being here. So. No problem. No problem. So uh, I'm going to give a quick introduction. Uh, so basically, Derek is a U.S. Army veteran, life coach, and trainer that has helped over 500 clients and 50 companies go from just surviving to thriving through his coaching uh, modalities and marketing efforts. Uh, Derek was awarded Soldier of the Year for his battalion three times, received numerous awards for PT, and took his leadership skills, certifications, and life experiences to help people take control of their mind, body, so they can thrive and survive. So um, you came from, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your childhood? Uh, you had uh, some, you, you you lived in a place that was kind of uh, difficult, in a difficult uh, environment, like a, was a yeah. uh, neighborhood kind of thing? or Yeah, for sure. So my, my dad was U.S. Army for 20 plus years, and my dad's African-American. He's a farm boy, so he grew up on a farm, and my mother's German, so she grew up in the city. So they were both the oldest of multiple siblings, so they had to play parent for most of their life. And then they had many crazy things happen with their family, with their dads with their family and all that drugs and alcohol ran in both sides so that kind of trickled down into their generation and so with that upbringing the positive side was the discipline the structure the focus and all that with military and a teacher mom and then on the flip side the phrase i love you was never said in our household so like the affection and all that like holding the child like that didn't exist it was more so like hey get your shit done and that's it which i mean it did help to an extent but We've missed the other side, but with the positive note is I did get a lot of the good traits, but then on the flip side is that at night, this is when it only happened was at night between like eight or 9 PM to 1 AM after they were drinking, that is when they would release their past, whether it was anger, aggression, emotion, so physical, emotional, mental, and all that. So that would happen around 300 nights out of the year. So it was very common. And so it started when I was 11. 11 years old. And then at 12 years old, once I kind of got used to it, I could see that anytime it would happen, they'd be looking through me, not actually at me. Mm -hmm. So that's when I dive deep into psychology and all that. So I grew up quick and <laughs> learning about the brain because I did not want to use alcohol, drugs, or anything like that as an outlet or try to mask it. So fitness was my thing. So I would get bullied at home and then I would get bullied at school because I was a skinny kid. And I was always like shy and timid and scared. So I said, enough is enough. So at, at age 12, I dove deep into Bruce Lee books, Tony Robbins, um, also Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodybuilding encyclopedia, just to learn everything that I could about the body and then the mind, because I got tired of being bullied everywhere in school and then at home. So I didn't want to go the violent route. So that's what inspired me to get into fitness, to have a calmer mind and then learn about the mind. But that's how, how it all started. That's very impressive because, I mean, you basically reached rock bottom, um, like that level of desperation that, you know, people reach with their adults. You reach that when you were like 12, you know, kind of that moment where you kind of yeah. give up. You don't give up, but you kind of, uh, it's like the point where you kind of uh, open yourself up to, you know, some some other different way of doing things. And and to have, oh, and yeah. to have that uh, mindset that you kind of uh, anticipated that you could end up in the same path if you didn't do something at that age is quite, you know, amazing to have that insight at that age, right? Yeah, I feel like 
everybody that has trauma to an extent, whatever their level is, we all are given a gift from it. Some people, they only see the problems and they're like, why me, God? Why me, universe? Why me, Allah? Whatever they believe in. But I always saw it as, hey, I cannot complain because I had some friends that didn't even know their parents. They were in and out of foster care. They had they had a way worse than me. So none of my friends, family or teachers knew anything because I never complained. I told myself I'm not allowed to complain. It could be worse. I could be the kid in Syria and there's bombings every two weeks. I could not have parents. So at that time, we lived in Pensacola, Florida, which is in the panhandle. And like from the outside, we had the beautiful home with the screened in pool. We would have the cookouts and the parties at our house and all that. But once everybody left and the doors were closed, the energy would shift and the demons, quote unquote, would take over because they would just like release everything. And then the very next morning would be like, hey, where do you want to have breakfast at? Where should we go for lunch? Because they would black out. They would forget. Wow. And I would notice that it never affected their professional life. They were always the first at work. They were the best at what they did. It didn't affect anything. But it was more so like behind closed doors, the beautiful house from the outside. But to me, the kid and the teenager, I never really felt at home, even though our guests were like, whoa, it's so beautiful in here. But I would just play along with it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, welcome over. And I would just try to sneak out before all the guests left so I didn't have to deal with that. But yeah, so I, I really believe that a lot of people, they have a gift So I feel like my gift that I was blessed with was discernment. Some people will call it consciousness, being able to feel and read somebody's energy or read the room. Because when you're hyper aware as a kid, you think something's going to get thrown at you or you're going to get hit or yelled at. So you're always like, (laughs) so it really helped me with sports and with the military. Wow. So I realized that I got like a cheat code into those things because of the upbringing. And it gives you like all that trauma because I also went through a lot of things and I kind of reached that point like you were talking about when I was like 14 when it's like everything was just I was so miserable and that's when I started like reading self-development stuff but I feel that all that trauma and that pain is like kind of you can channel it to for so much strength right like it gives you like power oh yeah that you know somebody that has had a, a you know quote unquote you know normal life They don't have those like deep, you know, reserves of kind of almost like fury that you can like channel or something. And uh, exactly. So it is a it is a it has its it's uh, it also makes you smarter. It makes you wiser. It makes you, you know, or it can destroy, you know, some a lot of people, you know, maybe most of them like they get stuck in the dark side. So like some people, they let their fire control them. They don't control the fire. And that's when they go violence, end up in jail, alcoholism. They repeat the process or they beat their kids. Like they just continue the trickle effect. So people that can harness that energy, I think are like some of the most interesting people because you can just like sense it. There's like, man, they're, they're so calm or confident, he or she. But then when you peel back the layers, you're like, ah, that's why <laughs> they had to grow up really fast. And then on the flip side, like even I, I had friends that, lived in our neighborhood, beautiful neighborhood in Florida, but he just never faced anything. He was a genius, 4.0 GPA, awesome guy, amazing at sports, family life was great. I loved going to their house for dinner because I was like, you guys have dinner together and you say, I love you. This is crazy. This is like a a movie (laughs) or this is like a TV show. Like the Americans come together and have breakfast and dinner. I'm like, this is weird, but I enjoyed it. So I saw examples of what I wanted, like the family life or the home dynamic to be. But the older we got, I realized that he was good at sports, good in school. But when it came to people skills, he lacked that. And also when it came to moving out of his parents' home, 
I always told him, like, dude, you have to get a job. You have to get a job. Because I had a job when I was 15. I was working in the mall at finish line. And I was just trying to work everywhere because anything outside of the home was good. So, like, I didn't stress with work or with school because it was not as bad as at home. And I would tell him, I'm like, dude, I'm worried about you. When you move out, life's going to hit you. You're going to have bills. Basically, everything that life He's like, nah, nah, I'll be good. Years later, he was like, dude, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have had some stuff. And all it was is everything was just too easy. He wasn't like the golden spoon child, but he worked his ass off in school and in sports. But when it came to real life scenarios, he never really had real stress or trauma. And that's why I was worried about him. But nowadays he has kids and it's good to see that he's teaching them different things and making sure that he's not coddling them like his parents did. But it was always interesting to see where I was like, man. I wish I had that love. And then the older I got, I was like, well, I'm glad this did happen because I would be unaware of a million other things in real in the reality of life. So it's interesting perspective. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have an ex- I have a friend that's exactly like that. Super smart guy. And I-, I always say like he never had a problem in his life like because it's almost true. Like it's just a guy that, you know, everything just went smooth. And, uh, and you look at him now and he just has such a hard time with life, with They're, like they don't have he wants to do things but he doesn't have that uh strength kind of to push him and i think that because oh, i yeah. do have that strength and i think it came from all that trauma and all that you know just life just because some people it's not that i was looking for trouble it's just like sometimes to some people like life just throws things to some people and to some people it doesn't for some whatever you know yeah. c- circumstance whatever so for me what all my life has been like you know so many like uh Since my father, since I was like, basically since I was like six years old to basically almost now, so many like different challenges, situations, and uh, and uh, I think that is really, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, a huge, a huge uh, blessing in disguise. Yeah, 100%. And it's rare for people to really have that perspective because when they're in it, they feel like they're drowning in the pain, anxiety, depression, anger, whatever it is. And they're like, why me? Why me? Me, me, me. And humans, we're all designed to be selfish because we're trying to survive. But if we, once we tap out of that and we're like, all right, why is this happening? So when I was 11 or 12, one of the two, my dad would always play Tony Robbins tapes. And I remember one of the main quotes was life is happening for you, not to you. And my brain was like, holy shit, <laughs> like it all made sense. Yeah. And I could see the future and everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to do this sports. I'm going to be calm in these scenarios. And everything started to make sense. And the other one was... If my mother gave me the love that I wanted, I wouldn't be the man I am today. So he has a million amazing quotes, but those two back then just hit me. And I was like, this is intense, but this is exactly what I needed to hear. So I got super obsessed with learning stories of people that went through things worse. So when it comes to music, music was my outlet. So my relationship with my mother back then was just like Eminem and his mom. So Marshall Mathers and his mom, like I related to that so much. So I'd be blasting Eminem. Linkin Park, Marilyn Manson, like all this dark music, but I related to their upbringing, even though like as a person, I was positive trying to help others. But when it came to working out or putting my headphones on, hearing them yelling in the other room, I had to zone out because happy music just doesn't help in that moment because you're like, this is fluff. I need some something with some energy and heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was interesting. So I got obsessed with that, whether it be music, movies of people that went through things worse or biographies and autobiographies. So I just immerse myself in all this material. And then I would always just come back to my situation and say, hey, it could be worse. I have a lot to be grateful for. I have both parents. 
We have a lot of bedrooms. We have a pool. I have always had food. We have air condition in Florida. I was like, blessing, 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 blessing. Yeah, between the hours of 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. It is some wild stuff, but I'm going to do something positive out of this. And it was always interesting to look at that. And then like going back to my other friends or anybody else that would have minor stress, they'd always complain about the smallest. Oh, my God, you can't believe I had the worst day ever. And oh, my God, life is testing me. And in my head, I never said anything out loud, but I was like, dude, it's nothing. this is like the most basic life. <laughs> like, why are you stressing? Yeah. But then, just like you mentioned, you see that some people just, they just were blessed. But I think long term, it didn't really bless them because they didn't notice like what life could actually bring to them out of the pain. But yeah, so from that is fitness is what led me into this path. And it was more so for myself because I was getting bullied everywhere. And then from there, I fell in love with giving other people that confidence through their body and through their mind. And I knew that the military would help me grow because I was that scared kid. I had a fear of heights, a fear of public speaking, a lot of different things, crippling negative thoughts and all that. So I knew that I had to do challenging things. Today's generation will be like, that's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. But I think that mentality is needed more than ever because that's the only way to grow. And it's it's good to see that more of these conversations are out there. Mm -hmm. But the sad part is most of society, like they're always like safe, don't do this, dangerous. And like everybody's Avoiding. in this shell, but everybody's miserable. And you can see it in like a lot of families. Like if you go to, out to eat, everybody's on their phone or on their device, but everybody just seems like uptight. Like their whole body language is just not happy, not confident, not proud. And you're like, dang, grandpa's that way, dad is that way, and the little kid. Jeez. Like it's it's sad to see. But it's always good when you meet people that are the ones that try to change their family tree. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and it's interesting because what I'm, I'm taking out of this is that it took a lot of work for you to get out of that. And that's one thing that is kind of the fortunate and unfortunate things. Like if you're in a bad situation, you have to put a lot of work to get out of it, you know, mentally. And, you know, like you said, physically, it's not just going to happen just Because sometimes I hear people say things that are too superficial or too easy. Like, just have a positive mindset. It's If you have, like, all this trauma yeah. and all this, like, it's not that easy. You have to put a lot of work. Like, you read a ton of autobiographies. You know, you did a lot of work. And then the work paid off and you became, you know, who you are now. So, you know. Yeah, I totally agree with the, the statement that you said when people give, like, whether it's generic advice or fluff, whatever somebody wants to call it. I grew up in the South, so I don't know if we're still in the uh, world record books, but Pensacola, Florida, and that whole panhandle area, we used to be at the time have more churches than anywhere in America. Like every two miles, there'd be a church. So it was very holy. And I have nothing against church or religions, but personally, I would hate to hear, oh, it's God's plan. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And it, it just sounded cool, but I'm like, this is not helping me right now. Yeah. Like, thank you, but you don't relate. Or thank you, but I can't just live in holy unicorn or rainbow land right now especially when you're in it i'm not saying those things aren't real faith and all that but hearing those statements i would say okay but what can i do with this yeah. and they would have like no real piece of advice or action step and they would just say it's god's will it's god's plan and, and he, i'm like yeah that's a vague statement but i what do i need to do and nobody was like giving me advice so that's why i had to like help myself and research and music interviews listen to all this stuff and then i started hearing things like oh So an example could be when I was doing fitness just through the darkest times, I was actually being my alter ego. 
and I never realized what it was. Like, I don't have a brother, but I used to pretend that I had a twin and he would give me advice. I don't have a twin, but in my head, I would play this game, especially when she or he was screaming at me and yelling and hitting and all that. I would tap out and I would think about version 10.0. What should he tell current version? And what would my younger version think of me right now? So I'd perspective hop. And the older I got, I started diving into psychology and I was like, wow, I was doing shadow work and other modalities. And I had no clue what that stuff was back then. But something just told me is like, you have to tap out of this. You're not going to use drugs, sex or alcohol, but you have to like get obsessed with things and to work on yourself. But it's really interesting that nowadays I see people always run from the thing that they hide under the rug or push in the closet right when it's about to come in their face instead of facing it and sitting with it and trying to work through it they're like oh i gotta go hang out with bobby oh gotta turn on the football game oh i need the alcohol oh gotta get on Pornhub. like everybody has their thing but i think the best thing nowadays if people just sit in it mm-hmm. and just be present with that pain whatever the emotion is because everybody's using outside things to not be present with the emotion so if we can just release if we need to especially as men we're told to suck it up drive on man up don't be low b whatever we hear (laughs) but if you could just release it the emotions for five minutes yell in the car grab the steering wheel listen to something talk to somebody like whatever you need to do to just release it Mm -hmm. we can feel much better because that's usually when people trickle down the men or women they hold it in so long and then they just erupt on somebody yeah yeah Yes, there's sometimes I've, that I've done it. I should do it, but like screaming into the pillow, because it's like you don't yeah. know what he's gonna hear. So like, but yeah, and and I sometimes what I do is like I, I throw things like in my room, but it's like an empty water bottle. But if I'm angry, like just throw it. It's not gonna break or anything because it's plastic. But it does help, you know. It does uh, do those yeah. kind of things. Obviously, exercise. But um, you know, it's really amazing you how you had that. Uh, how you did those kind of like uh, mental things where you had like your twin and you had like different perspectives like that's actually really interesting that you just came up with that and like intuitively because um, there, there's a lot of people that go through a lot of trauma that do like develop like multiple personalities and stuff like that but uh yeah but that's actually like a disorder your yours was more like a mental kind of uh you know way of coping with it so so Yeah, I always was inspired by like the Rocky movies, superhero movies, real real life stories and everything. And I noticed all these individuals would never like run from their problems. And I fell in love with the comeback story. So I would tell myself, I'm this guy that's in a dungeon that's just having a character building moment or eight straight years of character building moments of cultivating the man I'm going to be. And I was like, I have to be my own superhero because if I can take care of this and this, then I can help other people more and they could feel that because we've all been around somebody who gave us advice. Maybe it was good advice, but they just didn't have like the passion or energy behind it. It was kind of out of a book or something Mm -hmm. and we appreciate it, but it didn't really hit you. But the people that hit you with what they say, they could say the same sentence, but you could just feel it when somebody actually went through something. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love that kind of material, music, movies, books, or talking to real people in person. And it was just powerful where I was like, wow, they do this too. I was like, huh, these artists have alter egos. This person has an alter ego. They're shy behind closed doors. They crush it on stage or on a movie set or on stage if they're a speaker. And I'd always look at all these people. I'm like, wow, they like have different roles and characters. They're not always in killer mode Mm -hmm. or in professional mode. 
And it was always interesting to me. So I think that also comes from being that quiet kid who was always observing the room. Some kids in that trauma, like they scream and yell back. I was just always like kind of neutral. And my family hated it because they're like, you're so nonchalant. <laughs> but it's because I told myself, I'm no longer going to give people the reaction that they expect. They expect the tears. They expect the running to the room. They expect the yelling back, whatever they expect. I made a promise to myself in my teenage years to lo no longer give people that response. So even nowadays, if I'm in the airport or if I'm anywhere in public and somebody's just like hyperly aggressive, I just agree with them. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Hope you have a great day. And they're like, because they expect you to get angry with them. And I'm like, the only time that I'll ever get mad is like if you physically touch me or anyone that I love. But besides that, it's like we're not going to go back and forth. I usually just agree with people and wish them the best. Wow. And they get caught off guard. But yeah, because that's keeping your power. It's extremely rare. Like that's one in a million. Like It's so rare. Yeah. <laughs> um, and another thing that I think was really interesting was um, this concept that you said about how a lot of advice and, I, and I've been thinking a lot about this in social media because there's a lot of this like life advice that's kind of like kind of like motivation, but it's just like things like this is your life. You only get one life. And I think we've all heard like a million of those videos. And I think a lot of people like it's proven by now that those type of advice, it might help some people. But what we need is like actual step by step things exactly like what we need to do, you know, to change ourselves. Not just like we know we need to improve our lives. We already know we're, you know, we are, you know, if you have a if you're fat, you worry, no, that's bad. So, but what yeah. we need is like the guidance and maybe even the accountability, like for example, a coach, but those like steps and that are not extremely difficult that are actual, you can actually, somebody that's, you know, sitting in the couch for the last 20 years can actually implement it. You know, that's. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the first things that I usually do with people is we do an elimination process where we write out a list of things that are not serving us. So it always starts with what we eat and what we drink. And it doesn't mean somebody has a bad eating addiction. Some people do. It's very common. But other people, it might be just, hey, he or she does really well until 8 p.m. And 8 p.m. between 11 p.m., that's when they screw themselves for three hours. They're watching Netflix. They're on Uber Eats and DoorDash. They order that. And while the food's being delivered, they go to the pantry and they're eating, waiting on their delivery but it's more so like a, a process of autopilot. Mm -hmm. They're not even hungry really, but they've been doing it for so long that that is their way to tap out or to cope with work stress, personal stress, family. Like everybody has their cycle. For others, it's maybe it's alcohol. For some, maybe it's like they're a recluse. They won't talk to anybody for two weeks. They just like disappear. The phone rings, they just look at it. And everybody's worried about them. They just kind of disappear. Everybody kind of has their outlet. So what we do is... We write down a list of things. What can we eliminate or replace with something better that'll help you make more progress? And it's usually the smallest things. Starts with what we drink, starts with what we eat. It could also start with what we consume. So some people wake up and they turn on CNN. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you could do. By 7 a.m., you're going to be stressed out thinking the world's about to yeah. end and everybody hates you. It's yeah. like you're just planting these negative seeds. So eliminating whatever that person needs to eliminate. Maybe it's scrolling before they get out of bed. Many people, they wake up and they have no control what they're going to see. They open up their email. They're like, oh, I got this bill due in two days. And now they're stressed and it's not even 7 a.m. So eliminating those small things to have more power before 
somebody does like a whole change to their routine and schedule because only some people like athletes can do that extremeness and stick with it but 90 of people can't so the best thing first is to get rid of things before we try to add to your schedule change your schedule or like warp your routine first get rid of some things so you feel clear and in control and it's usually what we drink what we eat what we consume on our phone on all of our devices and the last thing would be like the people around us many people they have a good routine they're a positive person but they're surrounded by all these a-holes that are negative that have limiting beliefs and it's really hard for them to dream big or think of success and happiness if everybody around them is like you're stupid be more realistic yeah, yeah. you can't do that oh people like us or they hear that since it's 10 plus years though so it's hard for them to get out of very that hard. yeah i mean we're very susceptible to other people's opinion i think uh it's very unfortunate but i think it's a reality that we have to accept that that's why i'm very careful oh, yeah. when i tell people like what i'm planning to do Because if somebody like tells me, I don't think that's a good idea, even though I know it's the best idea in the whole world, like it still gets to me. It still affects me. It still it takes away some of my drive. So it's very important to realize that that all that environment does affect us. And uh, oh, yeah. And another thing is that sometimes I think like when we have like we're in a bad situation, sometimes the reason is just like a few things, like you said, it doesn't have to be like it's not that you're doing like 10,000 things wrong. It could be like a few things that create like a huge effect on everything else. So if you change those yeah. things, like you say, like you actually get surprised how much everything else is going to change. Right. So it's to look for those kind of little things where every, almost the problem starts from there, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and if people can start their morning with just stacking wins. So like my example, I wake up at four, not as a challenge or a test, but Just being military and growing up with trauma, I would wake up early to leave the house. So it was always like second nature. I was like, all right, I got to get the hell out of here. So nowadays, I just wake up, walk my dog, run to the gym, come back home, plan the day, and then start working around like 7 or 7.30. And then I feel clear because I've had an hour or two hours to myself. Not everyone can have that much time, but I always challenge for people to own their morning routine. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so simple, basic, and straightforward, but it's the most powerful thing that anybody could do is their morning routine because most people they hit snooze five times now they're late stress is up anxiety is up they haven't had their perfect mct oil coffee or starbucks or whatever and now they're like oh i don't even have that everybody's calling texting them and needing them and they're just like ah by 10 a.m they're they just feel so overwhelmed but all it was is they didn't have 20 or 30 minutes to themselves in the morning if everybody can just have that and do two things One thing for the body, one thing for the mind. If they don't want to hit a gym, it's fine. They can go for a walk, like get outside, go look at the clouds, the moon, whatever's where they are. And then number two is something for the mind. And it's whatever they relate to. Some people pray, some meditate, some visualize, some write in a journal. So just choosing one for each, one for the body, one for the mind, <sighs> breathing and then saying, okay, what am I going to get done today? And being more intentional, that little shift every morning and if they can track it on paper or in an app however they want to do it and they can say wow i've done that for two days three days ten days what two months that's all people need is just to build a rhythm so they feel like they have the power and control rather than everybody else needs them and their calendar is just filled with stuff for everyone else and they don't have anything on there for themselves yeah totally and i think that um well one of the th one thing is that it's very helpful to go out like in the morning Like just get out oh, of yeah. the house, 
just walk for 50 minutes you know you're outside you're kind of having this little break like you said before the day thinking about you know what i want this day to be before it like escapes my hands and once you kind of leave the house like it, you come back with a different mentality you also kind of broke the uh the vibe of being in your house where you're kind of lazy you're kind of in the couch you're left yeah. you you know so i think that is extremely powerful um and um also the waking up early i think is like one of the keys to life you know i'm also waking up now at 4 a.m and i think like awesome. that is because i've tried so many like different productivity routines and and once i started waking up like early i think like that is one of the keys just to wake up really early but but also you have to go to sleep early right so what time do you yeah. normally go to sleep i actually i'm a weirdo when it comes to sleep like i, I don't look at the alarm excuse me i don't look at the clock so my challenge since i was like 17 when i get tired i just head to bed or if i'm watching something at night at night i like to watch something funny something inspirational but I would say that I'm in bed by 10 or 11, and then I'll get up at four. But that's also the military and the athletic mind is a trick is if you don't look at the clock before you go to bed, you won't lay down and think, I only have five hours, I only have four, I have seven. But if I don't fall asleep now and if my alarm, and then the mind starts running. So when I lay down, I literally fall asleep within two minutes because I try to do I won't say grind 24 seven, but I try to have a very productive day. So by the time I lay down or sit down, I'm like, ah, man, I got a lot done today rather than exhaustion from not doing anything and annoyed at myself and annoyed at people. I would challenge people to flip it and yes, wake up early, but also in your day, do, do at least three to five things. That's going to move the needle forward. It could be a simple workout. It could be 10 emails, it could be a sales call, whatever they do, but to feel proud. So an analogy somebody could say is if you had to watch a time-lapse video of yourself before you go to bed every night, would you proud would you be proud of the man or woman that you saw? And just being raw and honest with ourselves. And you have to watch it. We're like, all right, 10 a.m. I was hustling, we're doing that. Oh, what happened between two and six? He wasn't doing shit. <laughs> like when we're just raw and honest with ourselves, we can really see because a lot of time is just wasted scrolling, napping, doing whatever. But for myself, I don't have necessarily a bedtime. I just try to finish as much as I can. And sometimes I literally fall asleep while I'm doing something. But then when I get up, I'm like, hey, I fell asleep trying to study this thing, but I'm proud of myself rather than the, uh, hey, I have to be in bed at this time. That works for some people. But I think what's more effective is the wake up time, because what happens is the body and the internal clock, their circadian rhythm is going to be so used to it that Everybody can pull an all-nighter at least one day or two days out of the month. We've all done it in college. We've all done it in our partying phase. Like everybody's done it before. But if you if the person gets up at the same time, today they might be tired because last night they went to bed late. But tonight they'll fall asleep earlier. And then they can still wake up at the same time tomorrow and not be dragging because they did get more sleep that day. And if they keep doing it, they'll realize that the body... From the doctor's perspective, they're going to say everyone needs eight hours. But from a science perspective, in regards to the human body and how we're a machine, we can adapt. And pro athletes and military and even nurses and doctors, they're all key examples. And a lot of them, they're actually really healthy physically and mentally. But society says, oh, I could never do that. I could never do this. But they've never actually pushed 
their body, their mind. So they don't know what they're capable of. But it's always been interesting to me that like the most high performing people I've ever met, they all sleep like seven hours or less, seven hours or less. They don't do eight to 10. And like all the laziest people I know that are, I mean, they're nice people, but they're like, I need my eight to 10 hours. And I don't say anything, but in my head, I'm like, that, that's interesting. Cause this guy over here has like six kids, two businesses, 20 full employees. Yeah. Full of life and excited. And I'm like, this is crazy. And this guy needs 10, but he's doing nothing to help anybody. Yeah. And also I think that those, that, it bothers me because that whole thing about the eight hours is kind of such a, like, it's not, it's important, but it's even more important what time you sleep. Right. So it's not the same. Like, for example, last, the day before yesterday, I slept at 9 p.m. I woke up at four feeling amazing. Like when you were like a kid that you wake up full of like you spring out of the bed. Yeah. Then I slept on uh, yesterday at 10 because I was like doing some work and I kind of, and it was completely different. So, so I mean, I did sleep less hours, but, but it's, it also important. It's very important. You know, how much, when do we sleep? So, so it's like, if you sleep eight hours, yeah. but you start at 1 PM, it's not the same as if you sleep eight hours and you start at, you know, 10 PM. So, Yeah, exactly. And also is that when people start to do things that align with their passion, they are not even really thinking how many hours of sleep did I get? They're excited to go to bed because the next day they get to wake up and dominate their path to whatever they're doing, even if they are in a low place, like at my lowest places, even in college or other times of my life, I'd be excited to go to bed because I knew I was like, all right, I need some sleep at least four to six or something. And then tomorrow I'm going to get out of this hole. And I would get excited and just look at it in that perspective. Like we need this rest to recharge because then in the morning we'll have the best ideas because we've all been sleep deprived where like we can't even think straight. We can't even form a sentence. Yeah. But I believe that when people start to align their life with what their conscience and heart is telling them to, then they stop worrying about the amounts of hours. They stop worrying about all this stuff because they're they're driven in life for a purpose that's bigger than them. So like for myself, if I am tired in the morning, I say out loud or in my head, people depend on me. People depend on me, which doesn't mean that I'm trying to do everything for everyone else. It just means I have to get up right now, do my morning process. And within an hour to two hours, I'm going to be a different person. I might wake up pissed off in a dark place, have a flashback, sleep paralysis, nightmares. That stuff might happen. But if I work out, go outside, look at the water, pet my dog have breakfast with my girlfriend, just little small things like that. I get on a call or I work with somebody in the gym and like everything is good. Nobody can even tell where I was two hours ago because I took care of me first. But many people, they don't take care of themselves and they bring that negative energy into everyone they come into contact with all because they had a nightmare. It's like that has nothing to do with anybody else. We understand that, but they just carry that toxic energy all day. And people are like, whoa, I don't want to be around David today. Like he, his energy's off. Yeah. And it only takes one day to fix your schedule. It's And I call it like the suffering day. Yeah. It's like it's one day that you're just going to suffer, that you're going to wake up early. You're going to be tired. You might need to drink like 10 coffees. It's going to be a yeah. miserable day. <laughs> it's going to suck. You're going to suffer. But then you sleep early and now your schedule is back in order. And now your life is back in order. So it just takes one day where you have to kind of accept that it's going to suck. Because that's happened to me so many oh, yeah. times that I'm like, trying to get my schedule in line but i'm always like postponing it because i don't want to f feel that miserable the next day because i have other things to do or whatever but it's like you just have to yeah. like kind of stick the you know like the, the the pole in the sand and just say like from here on like don't let it because it can go for months you know like so it's important to just like yeah. accept it's gonna suck there's never gonna be a better day for it 
start now and then exactly and then once you have that morning time you have more time to dedicate to yourself or like you say you have time to kind of fix your energy and stuff because if you wake up like 15 minutes before work like obviously there's no time to so you need that time to actually you know spend on yourself so you need to wake up earlier like there's no other way to do it exactly and when somebody's chasing their passion to fulfillment with whatever they want to do in life to help other people they have such a rush and high about life another thing when it comes to sleep deprivation is on the days that we are tired try to do one more thing that relates to your goal most people would say no 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 you need sleep right now but what happens like my example a few nights ago I'm working on copywriting. I love to write and just I'm doing this practice and I'm writing and I'm reading, I'm doing flashcards. Now literally I'm catching myself those off. I'm like, "All right, let me close my laptop." I woke up and I was like, "Oh wow, I did make a lot of flashcards. I forgot. Like I was so zoned out, but I was also in the zone until my body just shut down, but I was proud of myself." So my last thought was, "How many hours of sleep did I get?" I was just like, "Wow, I grinded and I earned that. This is awesome. I did more than I thought." And then I woke up excited. So sometimes those tired days we're ran, we're running on fuel of adrenaline and pride and confidence because of what we did the day before. So sometimes flipping it and saying, "You know what? I got a lot done. I should be proud of myself. Let me pat myself on the back. Let's work on something else." And sometimes that excitement will turn into energy and then you're like, "Have I had coffee in pre-workout? Nah, I've just been hype because of yesterday." Wow. So it's interesting what happens when on a psychological level, if we're just like pause, breathe, be proud of what you've done. And then sometimes that energy actually raises your natural vibration and you're like, "Huh. I don't really need this coffee or etc cetera, etc cetera right now. I'm just riding this high of being proud of myself and enthusiasm for the future, right? Because it's like you know you're on a yeah. good path. Tomorrow is going to be so it's like you're building on yesterday. So that's why it's so important to start now because now is tomorrow's yesterday and it's like it builds up, it builds up. So uh Oh yeah. So that's that's really good and and I want to ask you about tracking you kind of mentioned it briefly like i think i'm obsessed with tracking and i'm obsessed with like productivity systems like how do you somebody's like okay i want to do all these things in my life example yourself do you have how do you structure your goals how do you structure your fitness do you have like a some way of organizing your tracking how do you do all those things yeah for sure so in regards to fitness wise i use a training app so i have my own app for my clients and myself where i just add on their what we did track all that track the food so i like to track it like that because then i can see it visually anything else regarding like daily tasks i write on pen and paper i have a notebook like on my desk here I have like four or five notebooks each one is for something else but when it comes to the basic routine i do it like this i move the body i open the mind and then i plan the day cuz i'm in flow state and i'm excited so you plan the day if i try to do it at night Yeah, I do it that morning when I'm open. If I do it at night, I'm just annoyed because I do so much in a day that my brain is done and I'm mush and I'm like ah, screw this cuz my energy is different. I just want to relax and just chill. I got a lot done. And so for me, planning at night is not as effective cuz I'm not excited because I'm literally drained cuz I've done so much. So I'd rather write it in an excited way after a workout or after I went on a walk and then I'm like, "All right, today I'm going to do this, today I'm going to do that." and then i'm just going maybe pre-workouts running through my veins and i'm like yeah 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 and i'm writing it and it's a whole different energy than if i wrote the exact same thing last night i believe energy is real the way we write it the way we text it the way we speak it so i'd rather write it in an empowered state in the morning than at night 
I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it has always worked for myself. And the last thing, I'm not an affiliate, but if people know Grant Cardone, he has a 10X planner. I like the 10X planner. It's very straightforward. It's literally just, you have the date, you got 6 a.m. to 9 9 a.m. You have all that, you write it out. And then all that is by time. On the second page, you write your goals. You have a quote of the day, your targets for the day. And then at night, you do two more things. What were today's successes? And then what were the targets that were completed? So you basically plan the day. And then at night, you do a recap. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. Hey, I learned this skill. Hey, I didn't finish this, but I did get 20% done. So that is a very straightforward thing. There's nothing else in there. There's like no sales modality. It's just tracking your thing. I like basic things like Mm -hmm. that. And I'm not saying all these new apps and stuff don't work, but me personally, I've always loved pen to paper. And then also just like a normal notebook, the classic college ruled. But I would first start with choosing a time that you're going to work out to each their own. My recommendation would be in the morning so you can ride that high of the day. If somebody has kids and they got to do a lot in the morning, understandable, or if they work night shift, then they do it at another time because some people, they, they love to go to the gym after a work day to release and then they go home. That's amazing as well. So choosing your workout time, check that box off. And they're like, all right, it's going to be 6 a.m. Oh, it's going to be 6 p.m. Perfect. And then choosing your times to do other things. The reason I recommend that is because the body and the mind are going to expect it. So when they're in that flow soon, they're not even going to think about it. They're going to wake up before their alarm. Their energy is going to go up before their 6 a.m. workout or 6 p.m. workout. When they're about to get off work, they're like, all right, today was a weird day at work. I can't wait to leave this place and get in the gym. Or somebody wakes up like, I don't feel good right now, but I know within two hours after that workout, I'm going to feel amazing. So choosing those time blocks and sticking to it to make it non-negotiable. Because a big issue people have, they always change things. They wake up at a different time every day. They work out at a different time. So their body and mind literally is just like, what are you doing, bro? Like, (laughs) what do you want me to do right now? Perform or sleep? And so it's really hard for them to get into rhythm because it's always different. Mm -hmm. So they're never really flowing up. So I like to think of everything as basic and keep it simple. So you and I, we wake up at four. Somebody could pick six. What are we doing within that first 90 minutes? Choose exactly that and do it seven days a week. That's my big recommendation is people wake up at the same time seven days a week. It doesn't mean grind 24-7-365 like the Instagram memes say, but on Saturday and Sunday, if they wake up early and just go for a walk and come home, vacuum, clean the kitchen, and then the rest of the day, they can be lazy and do whatever. They're they're still going to feel a high. They're going to be like, wow, I just sat down at 8 a.m., but I've got a lot done. Like I already planned my whole week or whatever they do. They still feel excited on the weekend. Most people on the weekend, they do the basic thing. They tap out and Monday they're stressed. Tuesday, they kind of get into it. Wednesday, they finally work. Thursday, they're halfway there because they're like, tomorrow's Friday. Friday, they mentally tap out. So they're like doing this cycle of productivity, which is never productive. So I would just plan it in your empowered state. If you are excited at night, perfect. If you're excited in the morning like myself, perfect. But take control of your times of energy and your frequency. And when you write it, or if you put it in your device, you'll feel excited to do it. Because by the time you look at it later that day, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I remember doing it. And psychologically, your mind remembers how you felt when you put it in there. And it's interesting what happens. Like you'll get chills the same level of when you entered it in. Rather than being pissed off at night or tired and then trying to plan the day, that energy is just gonna be off. 
Wow, yeah. Well, there's a lot in, there's a lot there to unpack, and, and it's great advice. And it's very, I, I wanted to ask you about the weekend, because this is something I had in my mind for a long time. Like, a lot of people tell, say, like, you have to rest on the weekend, but I, when I'm trying to get organized, like, I feel that the weekend and had that mentality of resting on the weekend kind of is the thing that has messed me up for so long. Because it's like I grab momentum, and then the weekend kind of takes it back, and then have to get it back again. And now and it come to a point in my life where I was like, you know what? screw weekends i'm not gonna do weekends anymore like that whole idea of weekends being rest days and being like lazy days like i'm just gonna eliminate it weekends are a human creation Good. it always ruins my momentum it always is the beginning of a down journey in my life like maybe i'm being on the right path for like months but after a, it's always after a weekend that i that my when i've lost momentum and kind of get back in the slump so i was like you know what yeah. weekends are just another day like why can't it be like a productive Why do we want? Why do we value being lazy? Like, if it's a good thing, when we can rest yeah. in a in a productive, you know, manner that's not being like a sloth. You know, it's not like just giving up in life for that day. Like, oh, this day is like I'm just not gonna do yeah. anything. This day is like worthless. Like, no, that's a perfect day, like any other day, to do anything. Like, but you can do yeah. something else and work, but doesn't mean that you're not gonna do anything. So, what do you do with the weekends? Do you um? What is what is your opinion on weekends? Like, do you just work during the weekends? Yeah, or for what, sure. How do, you, how do you handle it? So, I'll start with actually a Friday. So Friday, my girlfriend and I do a non-negotiable date at 12 p.m. between 12 and 2, depending on how our morning flow goes. So our Fridays are like a half work day. So like we'll grind Monday through Thursday. We still get a lot done Friday, but we do a non-negotiable date on Friday at a specific time. We choose the restaurant. We head there. And then the first like 20 minutes, we don't say a word. We just kind of look at the water or wherever we're at. And we're just because we talk to people all day long. So we both understand it. So we just sit there. And then once we start eating, then we'll start talking about the week. So that's one thing. And it really helps us. We just tap out and we're present on the weekends. I still work on Saturday and Sunday. But when we do plan what we're going to do, it might be, hey, tonight, I just want to be on the couch and watch a movie. Okay, I actually will like pick a time. We're going to do that around 8 p.m. And then we are productive throughout the day. So basically, it's the perspective of have I earned chill time? Have I earned lazy time? Have I earned three hours to watch Scarface for the millionth time? <laughs> have I earned X, Y, Z opposed to I am stressed. I need to get on the couch. I'm stressed. I need to go watch football with the bros and drink a lot of beers. And then tomorrow I'll regret it because I'm in the bathroom. It's just like the whole perspective of shifting it to say, have I earned this thing? And is the thing actually something that helps the body and mind? Because most of the time people choose things that mask emotions and make them feel like crap, like to each their own. But it's alcohol, drugs, sex, dating apps, like all this stuff. And then they regret it the next day. But if they could just get outside more. So a recommendation would be if somebody has a free day on a Saturday, go hiking. And at the very top of that hill, mountain, cliff, If you live in a flat ground and you're walking on the ocean or by the sand, just take 30 minutes and just go hike or walk wherever it is and just stand there afterwards and just look and then just be present and see what happens. Every single time that person is going to feel calmer, confident, and then God, their ancestors, whoever, the universe is going to start like trickling ideas, people, contacts and be like, oh, I forgot about this guy. Let me call him. And an opportunity comes like in those times. And normally in those times at 10 a.m., they're still in bed or throwing up because they party last night or doing whatever. But if they go hiking in the morning on the weekends, 
they see the whole weekend as different. They get home, they're excited to be productive, and then they earn chill time. So whatever they enjoy. But for me, it's we love food. So even if I go out to eat alone, I just love restaurants and seeing people passionate about what they're doing. I talk to the chef, talk to the guy that's making the smoothie, like whatever. But I just love people that are passionate about what they're doing rather than like, ah, it's been a long week. I need to go to the bar and take the edge off. That's just never really resonated with me. I'd more so be traveling and then like see if it is somebody making a cocktail and it's a, and the guy is enjoying it. He's lighting the fire. I'll have a conversation with him about it and like really being present with whoever's there. So one, I love food Two, spend time in nature, whether it's hiking or swimming in the ocean. And the last one would be to do something at home or for the body and mind, because a lot of people, they have a stack of clothes or a stack of laundry and stack of dishes that have been there for five days straight. And they're like, I'll get around to it. And Monday comes around. They open the kitchen to their door. Excuse me. They open the door to their kitchen or to the laundry room. And all that stuff is still there. And they ruin the first day of their new week. So on the weekends, take advantage of cleaning your space, cleaning your environment and getting rid of the clutter. So those are my things is anything that makes me feel good. Outdoor activities, date night, watch a movie. But every single time those things are earned. And when Monday comes, we have a clean home prepared. I'm ready. I'm excited rather than regretting what I did yesterday. And last but not least is to also just look at our circle. Do the people around us have big goals? The people around us want to become successful or with some people I notice is common is the people they date have a totally different view of success than they do. There's no right or wrong definition, but that's a big issue. It's like they've been dating five years. He wants the mansion and the cars and this. She just wants to stay in her hometown the rest of her life and have kids. He wants to travel and see the world. So I don't hear enough people talk about that, but that's another thing that gets people down a dark path is like, do you have the same definition of success as the people in your circle, whether it's friends, family, whoever that person's around. And then on the weekends, like have those real conversations about it. Like maybe your best friend's into crypto and he's doing well, you ask him questions and maybe he's in real estate, vice versa, but empowering conversations with people that are driven about life and just excited rather than the bros or the girl that just wants to like escape for the weekend because that's going to pull us back to that person. Like I used to live in the club in college. Everybody knew me, but the older I got, I was like, it does nothing for me. I still love music, but I'm not wasting time, money, and then regretting stuff. So it's not going to bring anything. But yeah, so anything that's going to make you feel good physically, mentally, and spiritually, and then cleaning up our space, and most importantly, spending more time in nature. And then if you do any of those things, by the time you do want to chill or do whatever you enjoy, you're way more present. Because you're like, wow, I'm here watching the game or the fight with my friends. Dang, I cleaned my whole house this morning. I worked out. I went hiking. I did this. I called my grandma. Like whatever that thing is, they're way more present when they go enjoy that thing rather than tapping out. Because most people tap out with the bros to neglect everything at home. So just flip the script. <laughs> yeah, the way I see it is like, you know, we everything should be productive. You know, even if it's relaxation, it should be productive. It stops being productive when you kind of tap out like you say when it's like when it's t- taking away from you right because if you're like watching yeah. tv all day there comes a point when it's like it's sucking out your energy so you're you're not relaxing you're losing so you yeah you can watch like you said your movie that you earned for a controlled period of time when that's going to be like productive but if that uh 
any type of activity that stops taking away from you that is the way I see unproductive. So it's like you can still be productive on the weekends and productivity to define it. Anything that increases, you know, your your quality of life in any way, right? It doesn't have to be oh, work. Yes. You know, it's not, that's not only productivity. Anything that's positive in the long, short and long term, that's productive. So I, I kind of changed my mindset with that. You know, like that's I don't awesome. want to be unproductive um, in any moment of my life. So it's like everything should be productive, I think. And that's kind of what's going to make us feel the best, right? So Exactly. Yeah, and the, the last thing I just want to leave people with when it comes to weekends or just time off is that take advantage of traveling. Change your space. Even if you can't travel right now financially to another country or city, plan out an Airbnb in the town you're in. Like play a mental trick and say, hey, I'm going to go to this hotel and get one or two nights in that four-star place, a five-star, just to have that experience. Because once somebody immerses themselves in something that's really nice and really organized, they get such a rush. Most people would say, no, 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 that's dangerous. That's a waste of money. But they're thinking of the money aspect. They're not thinking of the feeling and having a conversation with this guy that could be a billionaire. We're not trying to get anything out of him, but putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations around power people opens us up. Because most people would say, oh, I'm not going to the golf course. I don't even golf. It's like, I'll go out there and talk to whoever. I might suck at golfing, but I'm going to have some conversations. And then you might, something might come of it. But just being immersed in those situations can make us grow a lot as well. So like if somebody goes out to eat by a restaurant that's near a yacht club, they have one conversation that can literally change their whole mentality. And they're like, dude, that guy got out of a Ferrari. I just asked him a question. He's like, oh, yeah, I did this and this. 30 seconds and the brain goes, never even thought of that. When they would have just stayed at home and watched YouTube all day. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, well, let's wrap it up. Can you tell us about your coaching? Um, yeah. Tell us about your website, your coaching style. Like, uh, Tell us more about it so uh, people can yeah. learn about it. Yeah, for sure. So there's two sides of my coaching. One is the fitness and the mind aspect. And the other side is identifying patterns in individuals that don't serve them so they can start to thrive in all areas and not just survive. So an example is the CEO that's a millionaire who's had three divorces. Why is he having these divorces? So we pinpoint that. Or the guy that's shredded. He has abs, has an amazing body, but he has no money. Like there's always something that somebody's lacking in. Those are extreme, but those are common. Another one could be this individual is doing well physically, doing well in their career, but they just feel stuck. They're like, I'm okay, but I just can't get to the next level. So we pinpoint where that is coming from and what it actually is. So we find that pattern so they can start to thrive in those areas. And then for some people, it's just fitness related, where it's just performance. Hey, I want to do my first marathon. But with most people, it's always deeper than just the physical or the body where they feel stuck in some place. So those are the things that we work on to give them real action steps. So week by week. So the client is in my training app for all the workouts. Everything is tracked. And then everything else happens on the Zoom coaching calls where we dive deep on said topics that they want to work on. But yeah, and outside of that with social media, they can find me anywhere. Yeah. They can just search Derek Johnson or fit with Derek with the number two and that's D-E-R-I-C-K with the number two perfect no I mean it's been amazing um, thank you so much for being here I mean you're 
Yeah, appreciate it, David. I think we just tapped the surface. Like, I have so many more, much more questions for you, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I know, I know we went over time, but I was like, oh, sorry, I'll just get hyped on these no, no, no. topics. No, no, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was so much, you have so much to, to, to share. I mean, your story is amazing, and uh, and I'm sure, like, you've been, you have, you have had over 500 clients, so it's like you, you're probably, not, I mean, not probably, you are an expert at you know finding those points where people are lacking like you basically have seen everything so I'm, I, I have no doubt you can help pretty much every person in the world so I, I, I uh, invite everybody to go check you out and uh, once again I appreciate thank it thank you so much for being here thanks again for having me